welcome to another episode of Sleep Whispers. I'm Harris, and this is my curious little podcast of whispered ramblings and whispered readings, which I hope will help you to relax and fall asleep. Episode number 197, and specifically, it's a fade-out episode. So, I'll start with my usual guided relaxation to tuck you in, and then to fade you out, I'll do a guided imagery of Leonardo da Vinci's Mona Lisa painting. Listener, then welcome to my little world of whispers. Each week I rotate through one of six types of episodes to calm the squirrels in your brain. <laughs> These include Whisperpedia episodes, Storytime episodes, Trivia Time episodes, Chat episodes, Batch episodes, and tonight a fade-out episode. If you're interested in listening to over 200 more Whisper episodes like this one, or listening to my special 8-hour-long episodes of nature sounds and background noises, like raindrops, ocean waves, ceiling fans, and white noise, then Feel free to click the links in the show notes or visit my website at sleepwhispers.com. Alright, tonight's fade out is a guided imagery of Leonardo da Vinci's Mona Lisa painting. And thanks to Tim for suggesting this. And he suggested this idea a while ago. And he shared that he's, I can't remember if it's blind or some level of sight impaired. But here's what he suggested. Describe and interpret, ramble about, a painting or other work of art. I hear there's great level of detail in many of the world's famous paintings, which I never get to see can't be bothered to have explained by someone, but if done right, such an explanation might be both sleep-inducing and informative. I thought this idea was a great one, but I wasn't sure how well it would work, so what I did was I tested this idea as a bonus episode first, so over my prior winter break, I did this idea with Botticelli's painting, The Birth of Venus, or you may know it as, like, the naked lady standing on a shelf painting, <laughs> but it worked out really well. I enjoyed doing it, and 
examine and think about the details of the painting, not like a true art scholar. I'm more like a art dummy head. I can observe and ramble, but don't really expect any type of deep analysis. So for tonight, I chose the Mona Lisa by the Italian artist Leonardo da Vinci, and it was painted sometime around 1503 and 1517. I almost didn't choose this painting because it seems so simple, but do you know the answers to the following questions? I, I didn't. <laughs> I looked at the painting. What is on her head? What is she wearing? What are her hands doing? What is behind her? And I'll begin by addressing other big questions like, what exactly does the word Mona mean? And who is Lisa? And why was it painted? And I'll describe the details of the painting and share my thoughts about what I see. So during this guided imagery, I want you to lay back, close your eyes, and visualize the details as I try to repaint them in your mind. Now, before I relax you with the usual tuck-in, and put you to sleep with tonight's fade out. I want you to think about your mattress for the next 60 seconds. In the early 1500s, Leonardo da Vinci probably slept on piles of hay or mounds of dirt or maybe tattered goatskins. <laughs> I have no idea. But I'm confident today there are much better options and you deserve to be sleeping on the latest advancements in mattress technology rather than tattered goatskins. Purple is the sponsor of this episode and they've designed a unique mattress that is firm but soft, breathable so you stay cool. And it's so futuristic that you may even feel like you're floating in the air. You can try a purple mattress for 100 nights. And if you're not fully satisfied, then you can return it for a full refund. And right now, you'll get a free purple pillow with the purchase of a mattress. Just text the word WHISPERS to 84 so to get the free pillow, text W-H-I-S-P-E-R-S -E to the number 84-8888. Message and data rates may apply. All right. 
your ducking. If your lights are on, then go ahead and turn them off. If you have a mobile device, turn off the screen and set it aside while you continue to listen. Adjust your pillows just the way you like them. Adjust your covers and sheets just the way you like them. Go ahead and find a comfortable position. You can lie on your side. something good that happened to you. It may be something good someone did for you. Or it may be something good you did for someone else. This will be the happy thought you will focus on if you find your mind wandering during the fade-out. Finally, allow your entire body to fully relax. Focus your mind on that one happy thought. And for the next few seconds, Settle your breathing rate to a pace that feels relaxing and comfortable for you. And then I'll begin the fade out. This is a guided imagery of the Mona Lisa painting by Leonardo da Vinci. Begin with some facts about the painting, 
and then I'll describe the details I see, and I'll share the thoughts they evoke as I repaint this masterpiece in your mind. First, what does Mona mean? It's a contraction of the word Madonna, which in Italian is a polite form of addressing a woman. So Madonna is kind of similar to Madam, and sometimes Madam is contracted to Ma'am. So this is similar to that. And who is Lisa? Was this a real person? And the answer is yes. It is believed that Lisa is the Italian noblewoman, Lisa Gerardini. And the portrait was commissioned by her husband. Lisa was a mother of five children also, and is believed to have led a comfortable and ordinary middle-class life. I'll begin with a very general description of the painting. The painting is basically from the top of her head to her lower torso, and it looks like she might be sitting on a stool with her knees pointed off to the side, and her upper torso is turned slightly in the direction of her knees, but her face is turned towards the, the viewer. This is obviously a very famous painting, and I'm sure there's all sorts of theories why. But for me, when I look at it, what stands out to me compared to many other portraits I see all over the place is that her face is much lighter in contrast than her hair and her clothing, and so it produces this effect to me as I look at it of really focusing your attention onto her face and maybe purposely blurring out the rest of the painting. Now, there is a belief that the reason she's wearing dark clothing is that that dark kind of garments were Spanish-influenced high fashion. Others believe it might have to do with representing her emotional state or the emotional state of Leonardo da Vinci. But I think for me, my guess is that it's to create this contrast that results in her face just having this entire glow to it compared to the way her face is framed by her dark hair and her dark garments. I'll next zoom in 
what is probably the most popular or discussed or known aspect of this painting, and that's her enigmatic smile. It is painted in a very subtle way. It's, it's not a full tooth smile. You don't see any of her teeth. She appears to be just smiling slightly. And for me, that, that makes it appealing. Because it's not a forced smile. But she definitely doesn't look somber. I would describe it as contentment. It makes her look like she's happy or I think content is a better word. And maybe this was a reflection of her personality that Leonardo da Vinci experienced when she sat for him. Or because this was a commission painting, you want to make sure that it is pleasing to the person who commissioned it. So you would want to draw a very positive-looking emotion onto someone's face. Or maybe just this was Leonardo's style of wanting you, the viewer, to have a pleasant experience and to feel a positive emotion when you looked at this particular painting. So, I don't know, I should... I haven't done any studying to know any of that. Those are just guesses and perspectives. I think the next most widely known or discussed aspect of this painting are eyes. And they're often described as they follow you wherever you go. And they're gazing at you, the viewer which is pretty typical for a lot of portraits. Interestingly, I believe I read a research study that was done sometime in the past year where they asked people to look at the painting and to specify where do they think she's actually looking. And the majority of individuals did not say directly at the viewer. And I can't remember exactly where they said she was looking. But for me, as I'm looking into her eyes right now, she appears to be looking off to the right, off to my right side, kind of slightly behind me. So definitely not at my right ear, but a little bit more off to the right, like there's something behind me that she's looking at. I think there is also discussion or belief that when you look in her eyes, it may not feel like she's looking directly at you, but when you look away or look at another part of the painting, it then looks like 
out of your peripheral vision that she then looks at you. And then when you dart your eyes back to her eyes, it's like she looks away. So it's, there's movies where they do this, the, the paintings in the movie do this, where they, they move a little bit when you don't look at them. And so I kind of see that, and I do experience that also. So there is something magical about her eyes. All right, I'll move on to some other details that I don't hear much about, not that I'm in any art circles, but as I look above her eyes at her eyebrows, I don't see any. So there's a little bit of a shadow there, but she does not have either any eyebrows or prominent eyebrows. And it also appears that she may not have eyelashes. Now, because my background is in human physiology, diseases, and disorders, my first thought was, well, maybe she's had a nervous habit where she would pull out her own eyebrows. Or maybe she kind of has some disease or disorder or infection that makes her eyelashes and her eyebrows fall out. So that is probably not correct. I did a little reading about a possible explanation for her lack of eyebrows and eyelashes. And there's two theories. Neither one of these seem pretty good. Some researchers claim that it was common at this time, meaning the early 1500s, for genteel women, so women in her status, to pluck these hairs because they were just considered unsightly. So it might have been out of fashion that she didn't have these hairs. The other theory is that when this was first painted, she did have eyebrows and eyelashes. And there's ultra-high resolution scans of the painting which show that she did have eyelashes and eyebrows. But these may have kind of been washed away over time because the painting is so old that it has been cleaned many times. I think combining these two theories together is pretty compelling, meaning maybe it was common at the time for women of her status to pluck their eyebrows, maybe not completely, but maybe they were very thin to begin with, and then any kind of cleaning just reduced it even further, which made them almost invisible. Just some thoughts. Right, the, the rest of her face, she has very smooth skin. I don't 
remember if I read about her uh, projected age when she was painted, but her skin is so smooth and she's youthful looking, so I might guess early 20s. And the glow of it does have somewhat of a, a yellowish tint, but I don't know if that reflects her original skin color or the fading and the aging of the paint. I don't know. Her hair is a dark brown and it cascades slightly off her shoulders, so it goes a little bit below the tip of her shoulders. It's slightly curly at the ends. Very straight on top, and overall kind of thin. So on top of her head, it looks like it's almost parted in the middle. Very flat and straight. And then as it goes by our ears, it starts getting a little bit wavy. Her hair is, is not thick hair. It's, it's very thin looking, which now makes me wonder about my, my parasite infection theory. Because there are conditions that will make your hair fall out. So did she really have hair that was that thin? Or was Leonardo's purpose was to really, to make her face stand out, was to minimize distraction by the hair? Just thoughts. Another interesting detail about her head that I never would have noticed until I really stared at it, is that she's wearing a veil. It's a very thin, gossamer veil. It's, it's see-through. At first, I, I thought it was a hairnet. It's that thin, just like a hairnet. But as you look off onto the sides, you can see it that is more of a very thin veil that billows out slightly around her ears. But kind of like her hair, it's, it's thin. And I again wonder if this is to minimize any distraction from her face. As I mentioned previously, she's wearing dark clothing. She has a, looks to be a long sleeve blouse on, which is a very wide scoop neck. So it could be that the blouse rests um, on the outsides of her shoulders but you don't see the skin of her shoulders because it looks like she's wearing either a cloak or some kind of wrapping over her shoulders. And, and now we get to her hands. And I read that the 
positioning of our hands is meant to represent a faithful wife. So she has, she's sitting in a chair, and the chair has a wooden arm, and her left arm is resting parallel flat on the wooden arm of the chair. Her right hand is resting on the back side of her left hand. So she's basically sitting there with her right hand on top of her left hand, both a palm down. And I read this is supposed to represent the gesture of a faithful wife, which it was also discussed is supposed to be one of the main goals of the painting, is the representation of a virtuous woman. So you have that represented through a hand gesture. And then I think also that's why her shoulders are covered up. And the, the very, very upper part of her chest, you can see her skin there, which kind of adds to the glow of her face. And there's a, a very small highlight of cleavage, but it's very minimal. I think that it's just enough to give her femininity without it being non-virtuous. I don't know, that might have been the aim of why the, the blouse is cut where it is. To find that, that kind of proper balance. When I went looking for images of this painting, I found a lot that were cropped that didn't show her hands. And I think that's just a representation of what a lot of people get out of this painting or what they think this painting is about is just her face. And I even super have focused on that. But right now, as I'm looking at it, I notice that her hands are not in the dark. They're almost as bright and glowing as her face. So this is making me, I don't know if rethink or just think further about possible intentions of why her hands are as glowing as her face. And maybe it's to represent her entire demeanor. Another word I would now use besides content to describe her face and her facial expression is calm. She has a calm yet content look on her face. And because her hands are resting what appears to be comfortably, her hands also give you a very calm feeling. And this is how we determine someone else's emotional state, is really through two things, what their face is doing and what their hands are doing. So when people 
are calm, their face is calm, and their hands are calm. And when people are, you can envision angry. Their face clearly shows it, and their hands are usually doing something also to express that anger. So maybe the objective here was to give a very overall feeling of calmness by highlighting the calmness of her face and the calmness of her hands. And lastly now, I want to talk about what's behind her. And I know that I would have had no idea of what is in the background of the Mona Lisa painting. And the answer is it's a landscape. And that should surprise you if you visualize a lot of portraits. Most of them are indoors. And here's some fun trivia. This painting was one of the first portraits ever to depict the sitter in front of a landscape. It is believed, meaning I read, <laughs> that it's not, it probably doesn't represent any specific area in Italy or anywhere. It's believed to just be an imaginary landscape. So in reality, she probably didn't sit outside to have her, you know, for these paintings. It was probably all done inside. And then Leonardo just decided, and I don't know why, to put a landscape behind her. Now, the land may represent typical Italian geography. You can see water. You can see mountains. You can see roads. And, of course, that does describe um, a lot of places. But it definitely fits the key things you would think of for Italy. There is even a, a small bridge, which I didn't even notice until right now. If you look at the right side of the painting, so it's above her left shoulder, there appears to be a stone bridge, somewhat in the style of what you might visualize here as a Roman aqueduct. So that also does speak to you know, some Italian heritage and history. The entire landscape is neither dark nor bright. For, I think, I would guess the obvious reasons. If it was too dark, then it'd be harder to see her hair. So you would never hear framing her face if you made that background too dark. And if you made it too light, then the glow of her face wouldn't stand out. So instead, it's it's kind of this mid-contrast. There is a, a skyline at the top of the painting, and it looks just slightly cloudy. So again, just enough to subdue 
the light. So the brightest part of the painting is really her face. And as I said before, also her hands. But for the upper portion of the painting, it's clearly her face is has a brighter aspect than the background behind her. This is the end of tonight's fade out. I hope you are deeply relaxed, or even better, deeply asleep.